0: Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Kubelup campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Folks, welcome once again. We've got these little brochures for the kids uh, with puzzles and and little stories uh, about the topic today. And there is somebody... Uh, in the room next door where we have tea and coffee. So if kids want to go there, uh, you can uh, get one of these and you can get some uh, coloring in material. So please feel free to go there. There is uh, somebody, an adult looking after you there if you feel uh, that you want to do that. And then in the front, somebody has a cough that says something. Um, Each week we're doing something uh, from the sign language perspective and so uh, we'll be led in that this morning. Empowered, I want to share with you this morning about um, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. There is a picture up on the screen there, and that picture um, is a picture of a well. And um, my wife's parents and, and my parents were born on an island in the Mediterranean called Cyprus. And when we were there about five years ago... Uh, we were able to go and visit where my in-laws grew up. And my mother-in-law took us to the northern side where it's Turkish occupied now, but she showed us where she grew up. And she took us to a well. And she said, uh, this is the well that she used to come and draw water from. And uh, it was quite interesting, and, and she explained the background of that well. To us, and uh, it's it's got a history, and it's 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 amazing. Now, the scene of the story takes place at a well, uh, where the Samaritan woman comes, and uh, she is a total outcast in her society. And I think that's important to understand. She was she was uh, different to Jesus in gender, and so because of that, you wouldn't really communicate to a person of the opposite gender if their spouse was not next to them. Here is a woman at the well. It's interesting to note uh, that in John chapter uh, four, verse six before the story here, it says that Jesus was on his way on a journey and it says that he took time out because he was exhausted. So Jesus is tired And I think that's an important point to make before we read this passage, because he's tired, and the word that's used there, kopiao, means he's fatigued, he'd worked hard, he'd toiled hard, and he's tired and exhausted from the journey that he'd been on with the disciples. And you'll know he sends them into town to go and buy food. And as he does that, he meets this lady who is different. She's an outcast uh, of society because, uh, firstly, of uh, who she was. Uh, She was known to be a homebreaker, somebody who who went around and uh, broke people's homes because she stole other women's men. She was also uh, there because it was midday, and it's very, very hot at midday in Israel and so she goes out so none of the other ladies can go and ridicule her and so she can't really be seen. So she's found there as an outcast. Here is a woman, social, moral and racial outcast. She's from Samaria. Now the Samaritans were regarded as half-breed Jews And so they wouldn't come down to Jerusalem to worship the temple, they built their own temple, and so they are outcasts. Um, Remember the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan? You know, that location, Samaria, was an interesting location because uh, they were not really regarded as good people. Here is a woman of Samaria, and she's gone there to draw water, and Jesus spends some time with her, and interacts with her. And so we pick up the story uh, in John chapter 4, verses 7 to 26. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He." This well that this whole incident takes place at is called Jacob's well. And this is where Jesus speaks to this woman. It's still uh, there today. Uh, it exists on the West Bank of Israel today. And I had the privilege of, of leading a tour in the year 2000 from South Africa, and I was able to go and drink uh, from this well. It's, it's quite wide. It's about 40 meters deep. And underground, there is a spring that supplies it. And so it's been going for at least 2,000 years. That water there is cool, it's fresh, it's delicious, it's life-giving. And so here Jesus comes and he wants to explain to this woman what this living water is all about. And so I have two points to share with you this morning. Jesus's invitation, firstly. And we pick it up in, in verse 13, where Jesus answered her and he says to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again talking about that water that she was going to uh, scoop out of that well and the word thirsty there is a very interesting word it's the word dipsau which means a want for refreshment a want for support a want from strength a want for strength um uh, it's the psalm means there, there, there is a gap. There is something that is missing inside. I don't know about you, but we grew up with some of those little toys where, you know, if there was a round little hole in it, you had to take a round little gadget and fit it in. The square one wouldn't fit. If there was a triangle. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you were really, uh, no. <laughs> So the triangle one, you you know what? And eventually, when you fill up all the holes, it ding, 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 ding. You know, it um, it makes a little sound. Well done. And so here, Jesus is saying, listen, that those who have a need for support, for strength, for refreshment, he's saying those who come and drink of this water will get that temporary satisfaction. Verse 14, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And that word spring, alome, means it it leaps, it gushes. It's a verb and only appears three times in the New Testament. Now, folk, we know that we can only survive uh, without air for three minutes, we can survive without water for three days. And we can survive without food for three weeks. Now I know what you're thinking, Christofides? you can survive you know, without food for a year, and I agree with you, and I need to, uh, you know, but listen, here is a necessity that Jesus is saying, and what he's trying to do is, he's saying you can survive physically, but let me give you a spiritual lesson. A spiritual lesson. And what he's saying to to this lady is there are certain essentials that you desperately need in your life for support, for refreshment, and to be empowered to be able to live a life that is pleasing to God. From an eternal perspective, you need this living water. Because, as Newton said, there is a God shaped vacuum that only God can fill. And that comes from the living water that Jesus is prepared to give to this Samaritan woman and 2,020 years later to you and to me today. And so he, he talks about this, this, this deepest need that is able to be satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here she comes and she wants to draw from the, the physical water. And he's saying to her, there are deeper needs than this physical water. I'm told uh, of a story about Billy Graham, where he was on a flight, and uh, the waitress, the air hostess came to him and said, would you like a drink? And he said, no, I took a drink over 30 years ago, and it's kept me satisfied. And she said, what kind of drink is that? And uh, he said to her, when you've got some time, come, and I'll be able to tell you about that drink. And she went and and near the end of the flight, after she'd done her duty, she came and she sat next to Billy Graham and she said to him, can you tell me more about this drink of yours? And he pulled out the New Testament and he shared the story about the woman of Samaria. And this air hostess said, that woman sounds exactly like me. Can you tell me how I can have this living water? And praise God, the story ends. 10,000 feet, 10,000 meters in the air, uh, Billy Graham leads her to the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, that's the truth because people are looking at the wrong things to try and find satisfaction. Now, I don't want to be ignorant and say that we don't need money to live. We desperately need money. And the more you have, the better it is. But when money has you, that's dangerous. And so we're running around after the wrong things. And we're running after things that might not actually have an everlasting effect on our lives because those things can draw us away from God. Somebody said that the more a person has, the more he wants instead of filling a vacuum of money, it's better to have a little with a fear of the Lord and invest in those great treasures in heaven because the treasures on this earth bring about turmoil and we all know that. There is a new thing going around, folk, uh, about getting an adrenaline rush. And so, you know, we have to stretch the boundaries. We have to go bigger and better and longer and faster. And you find it in many sporting activities. Now we have this new thing called extreme sports. You know, let's see how many bones we can break in our body so we can, you know, get that adrenaline rush, and so we can really make the front page of the newspaper and be in wards one, two, and three at the same time, you know. And, and so you make, you, you know, get this prestige and power, and that's what we're running after. And Jesus actually explains to this lady, listen, that God-shaped vacuum within your heart is not gonna be fulfilled by this water here. It's only by the the water of life that the Lord Jesus can give. And so when we run around from pillar to post, we'll never find that satisfaction because it's all done for a temporal satisfaction. And here Jesus is saying to her, listen, it's got to do with this eternal satisfaction. And that's found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what is this living water, you might ask this morning? This living water that Jesus is talking about. Is it some sort of magical potion that you can go and and speak to somebody about? Is it something that we read about and and see in the movies? I remember growing up in South Africa, uh, there was a certain group of people. When they went to the witch doctor and he gave them this magical potion that cost quite a lot of money, and they put it in their pocket, they they became bulletproof. They became bulletproof. And so they felt that if somebody shoots at them, the bullet will ricochet off them, or it will definitely miss them because they have the potion. Friends, it's not like that. It's not like that. And to be easily deceived like that is extremely sad. But this living water that he's speaking about is very real. It's the living water that comes through the Holy Spirit that lives within. And that comes only through relationship. Only through relationship. And so we can go from pillar to post to try and get this thing. We can read books, but if we don't have that relationship, it doesn't happen. Friends, it's like having a relationship with your spouse. You can know about relationships you can read a lot of stuff about them, but only when you enter into that relationship. And can I say that there is exchange of blood because you enter into covenant with the other person. So do you know that that relationship exists because you get nothing closer than that. Can I suggest to you from a spiritual perspective, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus and we can go wherever we like until we come into covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the blood that is shed on the cross, we will never find that absolute satisfaction. But you know what's even more beautiful? That it's the reason for the filling is the overflow. Let me say that again the reason for the filling is the overflow. And friends, I asked my mother in law, I said, Mom, When you drop that bucket into that well, because it's so dark down there, how do you know it's full? And she said to me, because I can hear it's running over. Spiritual lesson I learned there, even from my mother-in-law. Listen, Jesus doesn't want to fill our buckets. He wants that bucket to overflow. And there's a lot of us who say, if I can just make it into heaven by the skin of my teeth, how What an insult to the Lord Jesus Christ because when we bow the knee to him one day, he's gonna give us a crown. You happy with a little crown the size of a donut? No, you wanna get there with a huge crown because that crown you're gonna put at the feet of the creator of the universe. At the feet of the creator of the universe, his name is Jesus. And that beautiful uh, verse in verse 14 that that, uh, what Jesus is talking about, uh, the water, Idor, it's water that's rainy. That's what it's talking about. It's refreshing. It's it's life-giving water. And then he talks about water that that will spring up. And that word spring up, it leaps. And so I have this picture in my mind. The water that Jesus gives through the Holy Spirit is to fill me up, to overflow. The reason for the filling is the overflow. And that's what he's talking about here. If you look at those Greek words, that's exactly what he's saying. It's the Holy Spirit that is within and that comes through relationship. And so Jesus spoke about this uh, very similar uh, in uh, John chapter seven, verses 37 to 39, because Jesus is saying, uh, on the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Now before I explain that verse to you, let me say this that the context is so important there because it was the Feast of Tabernacles. And Michael preached about the Feast of Tabernacles and I looked it up on the 25th of October. And it's got to do with this great feast where uh, for seven days, the, the Jewish people would move out of their homes and they would go and live in a tent reminding them of the time that they were on their journey in the wilderness for 40 years, that they lived in tents. And that was a reminder of the goodness of God taking them to the promised land and bringing them out of captivity twice, once in 722 BC and 586 BC uh, the second time, and then taking them to Jerusalem, back to the temple where they belonged, where God was, and they were able to worship Him. And so for seven days, the priest would come out, he would scoop water and he would go and as, they, as those singers that went in a processional before him, they would sing and sing praises to God as a reminder of the goodness of God with them in the wilderness, the Feast of Tabernacles. And then he would pour it onto the altar to remind them. But on the eighth day, so they did that for seven days in a row, every morning. On the eighth day, instead of this joy, there was silence because that was the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. There was silence and the priest would take this water and he would pour it on. And we read in Isaiah chapter 12, with joy you shall draw water from the wells of salvation. And so for seven days they drew from the waters of salvation how God had saved them and taken them to the promised land. And then somebody stands up and sings praises to God, one person. And in this particular case, Jesus stands up in John chapter 7, and he says, That I'm the one that is that salvation. And so on the last day, John 7:37, of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty, remember the word the psal that needs refreshment, support, and strength, come to me and drink. The word come there is the word erchome, which means come from one place to another. From one spiritual place to another spiritual place. And he's saying, listen, if there is a gap that only God can fill, if you need strength, support, and refreshment, come and get it from the source. Come to me and drink, he says. Verse 38, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living Water. The word living there, Za'or means alive, not dead. Alive, not dead. It means true life. It means vital power. And so power that is needed to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. And folk, I don't ever think, and I thought of this in the beginning when I thought I was a Christian, that God gives us a whole set of of rules and regulations that we have to abide by, which are good for Him. No, they're not good for Him. They're good for us. And they're life giving. But you know what's even more encouraging? That it gives us the Holy Spirit, the vital power that is alive to be able to fulfill what He's called us to fulfill. His name is Jesus, and we come and we drink from that living water. It will flow from within. Kiliah, talking about the heart, but deep down inside. It will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. At the epicenter of this Jewish festival, Jesus stands up and he makes this radical statement about him being the one that can offer this living water. Friends, I don't know about you, but we need it all the time. We need it all the time. One baptism, many fillings. Heard that before? When when you come to faith in Christ and you're born, not again, born from above, John chapter three, when you're born from above, so the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. One baptism, but many fillings. I became a Christian 30 years ago. Aren't you thirsty? Aren't you dry now? It's the beginning of a new year. We set New Year's resolutions. I've already broken some. But listen, if we are thirsty, we come to Jesus, and he comes and he fills us with stuff that only he can fill. For what purpose? So we can overflow, because the reason for the filling is the overflowing. So when Jesus said this, some people wanted to kill him. Other people wanted uh, to uh, to follow him. But the only way it's going to become a river within is when we come and interact with him, enter into a relationship with him. And so I'm really grateful to, with uh, the lesson I learned from my mother-in-law that, you know, because when, when she brought that bucket up and it wasn't full, she'd have to drop it again. She couldn't just pour some water somewhere else. No, she had to take that bucket and drop it all the way down so it could Fill up to overflow. And that's what Jesus wants from you and me. He doesn't want these second class or, you know, half baked Christians. He wants us to be proud of who He is, just as He is proud of us. See, the victory to all of this is to surrender to Christ, you know, to be a blessing to others. I remember in high school, uh, We used to sing a song, uh, fill my cup, Lord, and I respect you too much to sing it, but let me uh, tell you the words. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench the thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. And a lot of people are happy with a little cup. When Jesus wants to fill your heart with with living water like a river, but we're happy with a little bit of cup, of, you know, the Holy Spirit, when he wants to fill us to overflow. And so, when I realized what it was all about, I realized that it's more than just a little cup. Because when Jesus spoke about the the river of living water, he was probably talking about the Jordan River, which was 250 kilometers long. Now friends, we're not talking about a country the size of Australia, we're talking about little Israel that started off in the north, that river, and flowed all the way down Galilee, the Red Sea, and it flowed for 250 kilometers until it came to be totally dead down at the Red Sea. Listen, this river flowed and it was life-giving to thousands of people. Now I looked up the biggest river in Australia, the Murray River, the Murray River. And friends, it covers 14% of Australia. Did you know that? And you know, in the Murray-Darling Basin, there are over two million people who depend on that water. Two million people. It's life-giving. And so what Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to, to be filled so you can overflow. And that's the invitation he gives to you and to me. Point number two, and in closing, there is a beautiful revelation that Jesus gives. Not only the invitation, but the revelation. That revelation is found in verses 23 and 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. What does it mean to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth? Well, firstly, spirit. Spirit is often that uh, compassionate expression of our love for Jesus. And folk, worship uh, is not the praise that takes place before uh, you know, the, the preacher stands up to preach. That's praise. Worship, the word latreo, means a lifestyle. It means that when you exit this building and somebody turns in front of you, you don't show them that Christian sign. I won't show you now. You you know what I'm talking about? It means that it's my lifestyle, that I don't live a hypocritical life. And so he's saying to them, listen, those who worship will worship in spirit and in truth because they've entered into covenant. Now, when you enter into covenant, that blood becomes your blood. Your blood becomes their blood. His name is Jesus. And that's what he's talking about here. And the psalmist saying in Psalm 92.4, for you have made me to rejoice, Lord. And the word rejoice says, samach, to we brighten up, I'm merry, I'm filled with what you have filled me with. Why? I will shout for joy. The word joy, I will shout for triumph. The King James Version says it so beautifully. I will shout for joy because of the works of your hands. My quiet time this morning was Galatians 1, verses 15 and 16. I've lectured on that stuff. Uh, I've memorized those verses. I know them well. And it talks about Him revealing at the right time, God revealed His Son to me. It blows my mind that the true and living God who created the heavens and the earth is prepared to reveal, and the word reveal, apocalypsis, where we get the you know, the word apocalypse from, a revelation that there's a pot there and it's covered. Jesus, or God, at the right time saw it good to take that lid off so you and I can see the contents inside. Our spiritual eyes can see the Lord Jesus Christ. There are millions on this earth, let me rephrase, billions on this earth whose eyes have not been opened who uh, the, the lid has not been taken off for them to see the Lord Jesus Christ. But folk, when you've entered into a relationship with him, you begin to realize what a blessing it is. And those who worship, worship in spirit and in truth. And he wants to not only uh, allow me to, to praise him half-heartedly. for oh my cup, Lord, I feel it. He wants me to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, it doesn't mean if you're an introvert, you can't give it, you know, kind of your best. It's your life that you give your best for Jesus. And then, what does it mean to worship in spirit? The emotions, yes, to give of yourself, but in truth. Well, God saved us to to express ourselves in an emotional uh, way, but also uh, to, to give, to read the truth in His Word. You know, in 1 Peter 2 9. It says, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. God's special possession. If you have got children, you know what I'm talking about. When God has given you a child, it's a special possession. And here, this word special possession, isperebiesis, We are an acquisition that God has has taken on. The King James Version says we are a peculiar people, not weirdos, but peculiar people. Why? Because we are children of God. The world might see us as weirdos because we worship somebody. We are a saved possession of God. That's what it means. He saved us. Folk, it's the greatest thing this side of eternity to be saved and we have the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. You know, Jesus quoted Isaiah when he criticized the Jews when he said to them, you draw near to God with your lips, but your hearts are far from him. God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so as we give of ourselves to him and we know the truth that is found in the word of God, in the word of God, so we're able to worship in spirit and in truth in truth. You've heard the saying before, that when you worship with spirit, but no truth, you blow up. Spirit, but no truth, blow up. If you worship with a little bit of spirit, but too much truth, now I hope this is not controversial, but you know what I'm saying in the context? You dry up. But if you worship in spirit and in truth, because who Jesus Christ is, You grow up. So rather than blow up or dry up, as we come before him thirsty, hopefully we grow up. The final time that this living water is ever spoken about is in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And it's it's a beautiful picture of this crystal clear water flowing from the throne of God uh, in the new Jerusalem. And listen to what Revelation 22:17 17 says. The spirit and the bride say, come, come. The word come again from one place to another, come. And let the one who hear, the word hear, not only just hear with their ears, but hear and understand, hear and understand, say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, you know, the one who's ipsau, the one who needs refreshment, strengthening, Uh, and support, let them come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Look, it's the start of a new year. We've all got New Year's resolutions. This is what we want to overcome. You know, uh, 2020 was a bad year. It can only get better. I suggest it can only get better if you are thirsty for the things of God. COVID or no COVID you can still dry up. You can also blow up. But you can only grow up if you're thirsty for the things of God. If you're thirsty enough to come and get refreshment, to come and get support and strengthening. You might be sitting here today and you say, well, I'm not ready. I need to wait a little bit because there's a couple of things I need to do. There's No time to wait. He says, come, come. Come and get recharged by the filling of the Holy Spirit once again so he can lead you, so he can strengthen you, so he can refresh you. Come and receive this beautiful free gift of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you've come to fill us afresh with your goodness and with your love, thank you, Lord, that you've come to give us life. And Lord, your word says to give us life to the full. Lord, we read in John ten ten that the devil comes to steal, to rob, and to destroy our spiritual integrity. Lord, but you have come that we might have life, and life to the full. Lord. I pray that you'll fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. That we might overflow, Lord, with your Holy Spirit into the lives of others. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.